So one of the things we've been praying about as a leadership team this year is just thinking about how we do this gathering here um, on Sundays. You know, this isn't the only place that we gather, but it's a big way that we gather throughout the week. We also gather in small groups and other type of uh, Bible studies throughout the week, but this is a big part of us. And we we wanna make sure that we're comparing how we gather on Sundays with what we see in the Bible. And just asking God, God, are we doing this the right way? So we wanna be teachable as we go year by year, as we do church together as the body of Christ. Um, Jared shared with some of us recently uh, a statistic from a book that he read. And the statistic is that since the year 2000, 40 million Americans have left the church. Now, whenever you hear like, oh, national debt's $36 trillion, it's like, that's a really big number, but 40 million people is 11% of the entire U.S. population. It says 40 million people have left the church. Now, it doesn't say that they're not saved anymore. That's between them and God. But at the very least, they're out of fellowship. And as the body of Christ, that should sting a little bit. As you and me, we're the body of Christ, this should sting a little bit when we hear, gosh, 40 million people. Put another way, um, basically most of the modern spiritual revivals from the 1700s through the Billy Graham Crusades, the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, all the people that came to Christ in the last 300 years and the last 23 have walked away from the church, away from fellowship. That should sting. So we think it's a fair question to ask, are we doing it the right way? It's like, whoa. They don't sound very confident. Well, we're not confident. (laughs) So we want to think about this. So a lot of reflecting on this throughout this year has helped to shape or helped to shape uh, Jared, Pastor Jared, he taught at the men's retreat this year. And he's thinking about, God, how, how can we incorporate more of what we see in your word into the gathering of believers? And he, he remembers that from Genesis 1, God is a God who speaks. You might him, remember him speaking about that in here a month or so ago. And all the way into Hebrews first, it talks about, or Hebrews 1, talks about how God speaks. So we serve a speaking God. So Jared was like, well, then we should be a people that listens. So he taught on the, the different ways that God speaks to his people. Is he taught that God speaks through his written word, through the living word, Jesus. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through our emotions. He speaks through other people. And he also speaks through one of these spiritual gifts that the Bible calls prophecy. Prophecy, is that like the billboard I saw last week? Well, not exactly, but that might be a part of it. Um... So we had a great men's retreat, just like the women had an awesome women's retreat. And uh, after the men's retreat, we got some feedback. It was like, you guys were saying, man, this is really, is really encouraging. Felt the unity of the body of Christ. Um, people were praying for one another. But we, some people said, well, the whole laying on of hands and praying for other people was, that was kind of new to me. What's that all about? And we heard a little bit about well, I heard this thing about prophecy, but like, what, what's that about? Um, so we had our uh, a small group 
that Thursday at our house. We do a small group at our house. And some of the guys were sharing that, like, uh, I don't know what this is about. don't know what that's about. So I felt God telling me, go to 1 Corinthians 12 and just read through it. Explain this to the people, to your, to your family. So we did that. Then afterwards, I felt like God telling me, hey, you, you got to share this with the church. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and if I uh, asked you guys to read, we're going to have some readers come up this morning. And again, 1 Corinthians 12. I don't know what order. Actually, yeah, there's the order. Okay. So uh, everybody give these guys a hand. They're going to exercise a gift called reading. Hope this isn't too weird. So 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. Oh, I'm sorry. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to, to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body." The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts we are treated with greater modesty, we are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body that giving greater honor to that part to the part that lacked it. Yeah, that there are maybe no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> yeah. Your daughter was clapping for you guys. Wasn't that nice? All right. So... <laughs> so just to kind of put this in context a little bit, um, for those of you that read the book of Acts, that you've read the book of Acts, the book of Acts covers about 30 to 35 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians, uh, the letter to Corinthians was written about 20 years into that to kind of give some context of when this was written in early church history. So, um, so first, we're going to jump into verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not, do not want you to be uninformed. So uh, this is an introductory verse to really chapters 12, 13, and 14, which is all kind of this big idea of how the Holy Spirit works. And the, in that first verse, the word gift in the actual language didn't exist in that verse. A better way to translate it more literally would have been about what comes from the spirit or about that which is spiritual, I don't want you to be uninformed. The word gift doesn't actually happen until a couple of verses down. So here he says to the, the disciples in Corinth, I don't want you to be uninformed about what is spiritual. Not what is logical, what is spiritual. I don't want you to be uninformed. And this is different than some of the other letters that Paul writes to churches in different cities where he writes to correct misinformation, right? We see him talking about false teachers in different areas. But here he's, he's writing that they, to correct their uninformation. It's like, I don't know if you guys even know about this. So point number one, if you're taking notes, followers of Jesus need to understand how the Holy Spirit works. More than that, it's not just up here. I think he wants to work. <laughs> it's not just about understanding it, okay? He goes on, verse two. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. No one ever, and, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So he's writing to a, a spiritual people like they have spiritism, right? They were pagans, they worship things. But what Paul is telling them is that whatever you had over there in your past life, it didn't prepare you for understanding how the Holy Spirit works. So let me lay this out for you. That's what he's saying to the people in Corinth. Secondly, he gives them kind of a little bit of an introduction to spiritual discernment. He says, no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed. And no one speaking 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So it's like, if you hear this, it ain't the Holy Spirit. If you hear this, that's the Holy Spirit. A little bit of discernment there. So the second point we have here, by the way, I don't have, like, this probably won't be one through 10. I don't know how I'm going to order this, but point number two, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to point us to the person and the lordship of Jesus. All right. Verse four. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. I might be sniffing the whole service. Sorry. So while the, pot, the parts of the body of Christ are different, so we're all different. Do you guys know that? Okay, we're different. <laughs> and the varieties of things that he's called us to do, so you, you might be called to do the same thing that this person's called to do, and maybe you want to approach it a little bit differently. Uh-oh. We'll talk about unity later on. But there's varieties of things that he's called us to do. While we're all different, we all draw from the same source, and we're all on the same team. Then verse 7. Verse 7 might be my favorite passage in the whole chapter. I don't know if I should have a favorite. But it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we're not supposed to like rewrite the Bible. People get really careful about that. But I think you could put your name in there. To Ethan. To Zach. To Hannah. Is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. So again, it's great to be a part of a broader church community. It's good, right? We, we find strength together. I was listening to all, all you guys worship. It was beautiful. Like, I'm not being, I'm serious. It was actually kind of nice to hear everybody sing. Um, it's good to be a part of a community of believers. But we need to remember that God has called each of us. Each. No one gets left out. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What's a manifestation? It's a visible thing. You can see it. You can observe it. The Holy Spirit shows up in this person. The Holy Spirit shows up in this person. And you're like, wow, that was God. That, was, that wasn't this world. That was a different world. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So this ain't just about your own good. I mean, your good is important. It's good. Your good's good. But it's about the common good. God wants to do something good in you so that you can serve the common good of the body of Christ. It's personal. Uh-oh. I wanted to put that, what was that, like a big poster back in the World War II, like 
Uncle Sam, I want, I didn't do that. I want you, you know. Okay, so what does this manifestation of the Spirit look like? Well, Paul gives us a list. Um, as Christians, we love lists, right? Like, oh man, good. I can kind of define it. I can put it in a box. I can write my eight-point thing on how the Holy Spirit works. I can study it for hours and hours and just look at this list of things. Look at the doctrines on this thing and all the while the Holy Spirit's over here like, hey, I'm over here. Come to me. There's some things you can understand about me, but there's some things that you can't. Come to me. Remember Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me. Understanding things is good. I understand, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely, right? It says that we understand that we need to understand the teachings of Jesus, but it's not just about understanding facts. So Paul gives us this list. Now, what's interesting about this list is that he writes this whole thing more in, not in language of precision, but in language of observation, he doesn't start the list by saying, now here's the eight things. It's more like observation. Now again, like I said earlier, this was about 20 years removed from when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost before the, Jesus was taken to heaven. It'd been about 20 years. And he just says this. He just says, this is what we've seen. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge through the same spirit. We were praying here before uh, service today and there were like five people that had a word to share with the group. God speaks through his people. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody else. Verse nine. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing. Now we're getting weird, spiritual or supernatural even. Gifts of healing by the one spirit. It's all the same source. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits and various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions, he gives out each, or to, he gives out to each one individually, as he wills, not as you will, as he wills. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's his show, right? All right. So how do we approach this whole thing? Now, remember, this isn't just, wait, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share that further down. How do we approach the gifts of the Spirit? Number one, we approach them with humility. It's not about you or me getting puffed up, like, oh, I got a gift and you don't. That is no room for that here. Humility. Because remember, we got to remember this is for the common good. So if we get puffed up, like, I got something that somebody else doesn't have, that ain't common good. Second, um, Further down in chapter 14, verse 1, it says this, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them. That's like, I really want it. 
I really want it. I want it more than what I want for Christmas coming up. I want what God has for me. And you want what God has for you. And what he wants for you in the next 10 years might be different than what he wanted for you for the last 10 years. So we got to stay in it. So humility, we approach them with earnest. Now, um, again, I, I was thinking about this. I was like, well, what if we just, what if we, uh, let's just pretend I started praying for the next month. Like, God, if there's something here you want to give me, I'm willing. Whatever you want here, God, I'm willing. I was just thinking about this. Well, what if God doesn't give anything? Well, if our aim is the common good, I'll pray, well, God, what about Lee? Give something to Lee, Lord. Show up in Lee's life. Show up in Paul's life. It's not just about you or me getting something from God. It's about the body being built up. So what are the spiritual gifts? Um, Now, they're different than the spiritual disciplines. So a lot of us have been talking about spiritual disciplines this year. You know, disciplines like prayer and fasting and solitude, silence. These are rhythms that we work into our lives to get rid of the distractions that we chase after in our lives sometimes. They're rhythms that allow the Holy Spirit to show up and move in us in a powerful way. Those are disciplines, the rhythms that we do in life. So he lays out a number of these gifts. And again, I want to be more observational here as opposed to these are them and thou shalt not add to them. Because actually, where is that in my notes? He says earlier in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, he actually points to his, he's talking about marriage, and he points to his singleness. And he says, well, this is a gift. Me being single at this time in my life is a gift. And this whole passage, chapters 12 through 14, you know, right, you know what is right in the middle of this? 12 through 14? Somebody's been reading their Bible. Chapter 13, it's all about love. So we could actually think of love as being a spiritual gift. And he lays out some other things. He says this, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. So what is the word of wisdom and word of knowledge? Well, back to verse seven, it's a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That's what the word of wisdom is. It's a manifestation. So this could be a scripture that God wants to give, to, to give you, to give to somebody else. I've had that happen to me here before. It could be a vision that God's given to somebody as they are praying, like share this with this person. Or it could just literally be a single word that God wants to give you to give to somebody else. With the end result being the building up of the body. Okay, just checking, make sure you're paying attention. Okay, the next one that we see here, the gift of faith. So maybe God has put something on your heart. Maybe there's like a mission that God has, has given you or a task that he's called 
you to do, but you don't have the faith. But you go over here and you're in a small group and you meet with somebody and they have the gift of faith and they're like, that sounds exactly like what God would want us to do. Let's go do it. That's faith. It's not complicated. That's faith. Next, gifts of healing and working of miracles. So did you guys know that uh, God doesn't submit to the laws of nature? He doesn't submit to them. He created laws of nature. He can bend laws of nature. He doesn't submit to it. So what are healing and... You want to come up? Can we pray for you and your family? I was going to wait till later to do this. Um, God always doesn't, God doesn't always bring physical healing. Um, and we have a friend here. Um, I'm going to let uh, Shelly pray. Um, there's just an illness and End of life is hard to deal with. So we're going to pray for the Clark family. And if you love the Clark family, um, yeah, lay some hands on Zach. Shelly's going to pray. Ben had me read in... Um, in the chapter, verse 26, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And I went up to him and said, our friends are really suffering. And I really just wanted to lay hands on, on Zach and Sarah. Um, they're ushering Sarah's dad into eternity. And um, it's been gracious of God to allow them to have him staying with them since the beginning of the month, but it's really hard. And um, we prayed for Sarah during the retreat last week, and I think that she would be blessed to know that the whole body is aching with her family. And um, she's not here this morning because she's at home with her family. So let's pray. Father God, we just lift up to you and the Clark family, Lord. We just ask for your spirit of comfort and a peace that transcends all understanding to be in their home, Lord. I pray that in their weakness, Father, that you would show yourself strong, that you would do a mighty work in the spiritual realm that is beyond what we can even begin to ask or imagine, Lord. We pray for salvation throughout um, Sarah's side of the family, Lord, that they would... Um, that they would ask questions about eternity right now, Lord, that would lead them to want to be in the family of God. We pray for strength for Zach as he leads his wife and his children um, while he himself is also grieving, Lord. We thank you that this is happening in a season when Zach is home because we know in the summer Zach is um, distant from the family. And we just thank you that even in your perfect timing, Lord, that we don't understand that you are outside of time and space. And yet you provided this really hard season at a time that is according to your 
pleasure and your purposes, Father. Um, I pray that this week, Father, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that there would be much joy in the Clark home as they um, are thankful for all the many miracles and all the terrific memories that they have accumulated as a family, um, even over these last couple weeks as they've been spending time um, all together with family coming into town and things like that. And Father, I extend... Um, I extend prayers for all the lonely in this room, Lord, over this Thanksgiving holiday, because sometimes it's a joyous time, and other times it's it's more painful than it it is other times of the year. And I just pray that we would all have a heart of Thanksgiving this week, that we would um, look to you to be our strength. Um, and we just pray this, thanking you for the Clark family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's physical healing and there's spiritual healing. Uh, God can heal our addictions if we go to him. He can heal relationships if we go to him. But the thing is we have to go to him, okay? Um, okay, next one, prophecy. So prophecy is interesting. Uh, down in 14.1, it says something like, pursue love and earnestly, desi earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So it kind of seems like Paul's saying, he's kind of emphasizing this one a little bit. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Are you picking up a theme here? To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In 14.3, it gives us a definition for prophecy. It says this, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. You see that? The NIV says strengthening and comfort. So prophecy is something that's received by God to be given to the people, persons, or a person for their upbuilding, their strengthening, and their encouragement. Spiritual upbuilding. Now you might think, oh gosh, speaking to people? That ain't my gift. Um, so we need to remember that spiritual gifts don't have to match your view of yourself. It ain't a personality test. God can give you, God can give the most unvocal, most unassertive person the gift of prophecy. I think of uh, uh, Moses, when God called Moses to lead two million people out of Egypt. Moses is like, uh, God, I can't talk. I think you have the wrong person. And God was like, that ain't your problem. That's my problem. I can make anyone talk that I need to make talk for my purposes. I don't need your strength. I need my spirit. And that's all that you need right now, Moses. All right. I'm going to wrap this up at some point today. 
Next one, the, the ability to distinguish between spirits. So God needs to give you and me, well, it says he doesn't give this to everybody, so I don't want to make this sound like everybody needs this, but spiritual discernment to understand this is of God and this isn't of God. And if you don't have that person in your life, you need to get into a small group with somebody that has the gift of discernment because we need to help each other discern what God is calling us to do. Next one, the fun one. Various kinds of tongues, right? Is that what we're on? Various kinds of tongues. Come on, Paul, be more specific. How many are there? Is it two? How many types? He doesn't say. Um, now, I, I've heard, as I've been studying through this, I've heard some, some people say that this is one of the gifts that kind of has divided the church. And I don't think that's true. The Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit working... And you and I trying to receive that for his glory shouldn't divide anybody. That should unify people. But since some of us get our feathers ruffled a little bit around this type of gift, I'm actually going to go to a commentary. Pastor David Guzik is a Calvary Chapel pastor. He's been a pastor for about 40 years. And this is what he talks, uh, this is what he shares about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, this is his first point, the gift of tongues is a personal prayer language given by God whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of, of knowledge and understanding. So it's not a, a logical thing. It's a spiritual thing. So language is an agreement between parties where it's agreed that certain sounds represent certain objects or ideas. And when using the gift of tongues, we agree with God that as the Holy Spirit prays through us, Though we might not understand what we're praying, God does. A couple of other things here. Tongues have an important place in the, some of the people. It says later, it's not everybody. But it, for those that have it, it's an important place in the devotional life of the church, of some of the believers in the church. It has a place in the devotional life, our private life, but it has a small place in the corporate life of the church especially in public meetings. When tongues are practiced in the corporate life of the church, we don't need to worry about this now because, well, it hasn't happened. So it's like, how are we going to put some guardrails around this? I don't know. It's not happening yet. When tongues are practiced in the corporate life of the church, there needs to be order. And Paul teaches that there should be an, an, an interpretation. Otherwise, it doesn't do what? It doesn't build up the body. Wow, you guys are getting good at this. Now, the, the ability to pray in a tongue is not a gift that, given to every believer, even though Paul says, I kind of wish you'd all do it. But he says that because he was built up in it. So it's like, man, if, if that was how the Holy Spirit moved, I think it'd be really cool if he just gave that to everybody. But he says further down that that's not, it's not Paul's will, it's the Holy Spirit's will. So, the gift of tongues is a language given by God which spiritually builds up the one praying and sometimes is given to the corporate church when there's an interpretation. Okay. The last one Paul mentions in this list is the interpretation of tongues. So, it can be thought of as kind of a companion to the gift of tongues where someone is, hears this, and it's like, I know what that says. 
and they speak it to the church in the language that can be understood by the church. It's like, wow, why doesn't God just like show up and talk with us all? That's kind of what he does. Okay. All right. Verse 11. Does anybody have any time? I don't even know what time it is. Oh, good. One more hour. Okay. (laughs) All these, verse 11, all these are empowered by one spirit who apportions to each. He gives to each individually as he wills. So what is our response with this? It's like, God, I'm here. I'm willing. I'm willing. What do you will? That should be our response. And then let God do the rest. Okay. Verse 12. (laughs) We're almost halfway. I'll go quickly through this part. 12 through 27. So next we get this long metaphor on the body of Christ. And if you've read Paul's letters, unity is a huge theme in Paul's letters. But sometimes it seems the church thinks that unity is kind of like not being mad at each other. We're unified. I'm not mad at that person. But being the body of Christ is a lot more than not being mad at each other. Paul teaches that we should be interdependent with each other. Even though we have differences, we should be interdependent. Meaning that I can't even be, I can't even fulfill what God wants me to fulfill without Shelly over here. Or Jack. I can't fulfill what I need to fulfill by myself. Paul says, no, your differences are what make you a body. But we see our differences and then we divide along them. Go over here, that group of people that likes that type of thing goes over there. Only so long for them to realize that there's further differences and they divide a little bit more. And they divide, and they divide, they divide, and all of a sudden they're all alone. How's that work out? Does that build up the body? Uh Uh-uh. We're interdependent. We need each other. And I was thinking about this too. There's somebody that doesn't even know Christ right now that someone in here needs to go tell them about that needs to bring their gift in here that the Holy Spirit wants to use through them so that we can be more complete. It's like, well, we're complete here. No, we're not. All right, back to the passage. For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were a worship leader, would we be complete? 
If the whole body were a small group leader, would we be, would we be complete? These are rhetorical questions, by the way. <laughs> Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members. God brought everybody here into the church today. He arranged this, each one of them as he chose. And if you feel like, I don't know if I'm supposed to serve any purpose here in this church, God would say you do. I don't know when, but I think God wants to use you. Because if we're not connected to the other parts, we're not going to operate the way that God intended. Okay, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have a need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I don't have a need of you. Because while there's private practices in our spiritual life, you know, we wake up in the morning, we pray, we read God's word, there's private practices, they strengthen us for the corporate journey. This is a together journey. Worship team, you can come up. <sighs> Where do I close? Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. I want you to read that personally. You're a part of the body of Christ. When somebody here suffers, do you suffer? When somebody here rejoices, do you rejoice? That's a pretty good indication on whether or not you're in the body. We believe that God desires to raise up each of you, if you're willing, to fulfill an important part of what he has called Riverstone to accomplish at this time in history. We believe that God has something for each of you to accomplish as a follower of Jesus. We believe that God is going to raise up small group leaders in our body. He's already done it. We believe that God's going to raise up evangelists in our body. And I think he's already started to do that too. And God's going to raise up pastors, some to stay and some to go. He's going to raise up those with gifts of helping and administration and healing for the body to be built up. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Paul, you can start playing, picking something. Let's pray. So what do we do about this? We seek God. That's the first thing. But I want you guys in your prayer time this week, this month, this year, a good place to start is just, God, I want more of your spirit. Ask God to reveal to you what part you're supposed to play for this time. Pray for unity in the body of Christ. 
pray through some of these things that are called spiritual gifts. Ask for understanding and faith to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to give. To give you, to give somebody else. Let's seek God together. Let's take a minute.